welcome to Manners and Madness. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm Ben Durant. And I'm Brian Kazaska. And we're all kind of come together here. This is so exciting. We've got two podcasts we've kind of joined to talk about uh, the psych episode, Dual Spires. It's the, in December here, it's it's the 10th anniversary of this episode that's the kind of the spoof on Twin Peaks. So it's so exciting to get to talk with you all. Wow, I can't believe it's 10 years since this show came out. <laughs> yeah. I loved Psych so much back in the day. <laughs> Such a fun show. Yeah. It, and and uh, fun fact, this is the only episode I've ever seen of Psych. I've now seen this episode twice. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's something we do on our podcast at the beginning called First Impressions, where we love to get people's first impressions when they first saw it. And it's always great when you've just seen it for the first time. So what was your first impression? <laughs> uh, well, uh, years ago, I had to watch this episode. We did a Christmas episode. We talked about uh, parodies and uh, you know things like that in that nature with Twin Peaks. And Dual Spires came up, which I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew Psych was a show on USA, but I never watched it. I didn't <laughs> know they did a Dual Spires thing. So I watched it, and I thought it was so cool to see all the nods. And obviously, uh, the creator um, and the writers obviously knew the show very well of Twin Peaks. And they actually, it felt like a love letter, I would have to say, to Twin Peaks. And the fact that they had a reunion of sorts with the cast with the original cast and crew before season three was a thing you know before anybody else was doing before it became popular again they brought these people back and i ever since then you know we've had a, a lot of these people on our podcast and i wish i asked them about how was the dual spires episode because <laughs> i want to know like what were they thinking? Like, wow, we're having a reunion, an unofficial reunion. Yeah, I think it's a great show. You know, TV is just so good right now. And there's so many shows and the list gets longer and longer. I don't think I'll ever watch Psych. Not because I'm saying it's a bad show by any means. I, I did enjoy what he, I saw. But every time I think I could watch something I want to, something else comes along and then I'm <laughs> watching that. So oh. it's hard. So I'll get to Psych maybe <laughs> one day, way later. But yeah. <laughs> overall, I it is. Show. Yeah. yeah, and to put this into perspective, so this is 2010 that this this episode aired, and so this is before the missing pieces Blu-ray. This is before the announcement of Showtime coming yeah. back. So this is oh, like, yeah. wow, really like this is maybe the best we could get for our Twin Peaks reunion. You're like you you know a lot of times people thought Twin Peaks was never going to come back now. So to have it 20th anniversary of Twin Peaks to have this special episode was was pretty cool. Well, for me, I was like a huge Twin Peaks fan and I introduced a lot of my friends to it, but I was never like part of the fan community. So I didn't really know that it had as much love as it did. And Psych was also one of my favorite shows. It's like a show for me, I could rewatch it a million times. Although it's funny you say that we've been having an ongoing discussion on our podcast about how I can't watch TV right now. So it's been like every good show. I'm just like, I can someday I'll watch it. So when I saw this episode, it was like, oh my God, my two favorite things are colliding in one and it's the best. And um, yeah, since then I've tried to recreate that <laughs> with my own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but I'm curious, Christian, what were you, what was your first impression too? Because you just saw it. Yeah, I just watched it this morning. Uh, I am somewhat familiar with Psych. Towards the end of my days in high school, there was a lot of reruns on USA. 
Um, so I would watch it just like flipping the channels like on the Saturday after I'd woken up at like noon. And I always loved it. I thought it was funny. I never really committed to watching it, but I, it was kind of like a weird double nostalgic feeling of watching a Twin Peaks slash psych episode. It was like <laughs> double nostalgia. It was really funny and stupid. And I really like shows that are like that. And then to have like all the cameos and then even cameos that I didn't yeah. even know about. I talked to Maya about all these people in season two that I'm not going to meet. So it's really, it was really <laughs> interesting. I really liked it. Yeah. It's really fresh for you, especially because you're, you're just really new into Twin Peaks even. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, I love this, like, the idea of, like, crossover kind of things between, like, two big TV shows. We don't really see that a lot these days, but I just, like, I always think it's so much fun when they do that. Now, one question about Psych, and I know it's not the Psych podcast, but when <laughs> I was going through the list of shows, because it happened in season five, I was noticing a pattern. Did they do this a lot with other genres? Did, or did they pay tribute to other shows i'm assuming oh yeah they always i mean like half the episodes were special in some way all all the opening credits would change all the time depending oh. on what genre that episode was they did musical episodes for several seasons yeah it was just yeah. always silly fun and always paying homage and like you know it's just a million references it's just a really fun show the main character <laughs> sean spencer loved to do random references to, of tv shows so he'd be like he, he would compare it's like oh like like general hospital or like something but i mean he, <laughs> that, that was something he was just known for in every episode like when he was you know he's a detective he's a psychic detective and he would when he was talking to people he was investigating he would make these random references to movies and tv and stuff so yeah, yeah. And him so and guess have like their own language yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so this idea actually came up in the first season of of psych and it was uh, james roday so he he was a big fan he's the star sean spencer he's the star of the show and he wanted to back in the first season but it took to this fifth season to this uh, fifth season for him to actually be able to get get to pull off this episode so we start off at the psych office and sean is learning about how a woman in washington invented some silent window shades dude do you know they make silent window shades which a great nadine reference right off the bat <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah love it gus gets an email asking them to please come to the cinnamon festival in dual spires and they look it up and the town is so small that it's in parentheses <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yep. so they decide to go <laughs> how the heck did we get this email it's a delicious mystery think about it a tiny little town we've never even heard of? What's your schedule look like? I'm open to my route tomorrow. Let's see here. I'm good till next WrestleMania. So they get to the town. Uh, the sign is, you know, very Twin Peaks, but much smaller. And it says population 288. And everyone is riding around on bicycles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gus may be the first black person the town has ever seen. <laughs> a little girl asks him if he's Frederick right. Douglass. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it made me kind of think about Twin Peaks because I don't yeah. think there was a black person on Twin Peaks. Yeah, it was like yeah. two. Come on. There was the, the gym coach, wrestling coach. Oh, you're there. right. But he showed up in season two. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that's a common criticism of Twin Peaks and yeah. um, of David Lynch in general, I would say. Mm. But also Jane Austen. So... <laughs> Which is what partly what your podcast is, right? I mean, Jane Austen and, yeah. and David Lynch. 
Yeah, we didn't mention our podcast is also not just David Lynch, but it's also Jane Austen. It's half and half. (laughs) (laughs) So they stop for a bite at the Sawmill Diner where Bob Barker, a.k.a. Dana Ashbrook, a.k.a. Bobby, (laughs) is working. Hey, top of the morning to you, boys. Robert Barker. You can call me Bob. Just passing through. We're here for the festival. We take our sentiment very seriously. Well, then you're in luck because so do we. 90 years running. Why do you call your diner the Sawmill? Because that's what it used to be. Most of it burned down back in 58. Granddad turned it into this place, and now it's just a bit of a local landmark. Gus gets introduced as Lodge Blackman, because that's something they do in every episode. Sean introduces him with a different alias. <laughs> <laughs> the music is, I think, is, is it done by Julie Cruz? Yes. Yeah. It's the, it's the theme music of Psych, sung by Julie Cruz. And, you know, I just meant the, the like, regular music from- throughout. Oh, it, like Angelo Badamente-esque music. It is yeah, very- definitely. It's, Julie Cruz did the theme song, and at the end of the episode, it'll be her singing. Uh, there's another song at the very end that is you Julie know- Cruz. If she did all the like interstitial music where like when they walk in the diner and play it on the... I don't know that. I just know that that, that song at the end with the jukebox, people dancing and stuff is a Julie Cruz song. I, oh, I okay. should know it, but I don't, I can't think what it is now. Well, I wrote the music is very Julie Cruz. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they have some piping hot apple cider and a slice of cinnamon pie, which by the end I was really wanting some cinnamon pie. Mm. Never had cinnamon pie, but I want some now. Uh, we meet Michelle Barker, a.k.a. Robin Lively, a.k.a. Lana, who Christian has never met yet. <laughs> and it's funny that, uh, you know, and w- it was only when they first meet her that uh, Sean, I think they said Shelly. So Michelle, Shelly. But I think oh. I think Bob does call her Shelly as a Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Shelly, but it is. Yeah. Yeah, Christian was saying he missed Shelly. He wanted Aww. her to be in this. Yeah. I was not more Shelly. Yeah, and it seems like that's just the kind of thing she would be up for nowadays, you know? Yeah. With Riverdale and everything. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I always think of Robin Lively as the teen witch, though, personally. <laughs> she's she's Bob's wife, um, and she looks very sad when we meet her. And then Sheriff Andrew Jackson introduces himself, a.k.a. Harold, a.k.a. Lenny Von Dolan? Dolan? Is it Dolan? Yeah, Harold Smith there from yeah. Twin Peaks. <laughs> a- Andrew Jackson is another president, right? We had uh, Harry S. Truman, and now we have a... Uh... Yep. Yes. <laughs> Sheriff Andrew Jackson. You know, we had the opportunity to put up some of those fancy towers, but folks decided a basic landline was fine with them. I, I couldn't help but overhear that you're in town for the festival. It's rare to get visitors. Oh, we heard all about it on underthenail.com. Oh, and we also find out that there's no cell towers in dual spires. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Sean says they found out about the Cinnamon Festival on underthenail.com. And the sheriff and Michelle exchange a look. <laughs> and then and the pie is amazing, looking- of course. Sorry. (laughs) When they were looking that up, I think when they got the email from uh, uh, underthenail.com, or I think I got an email, it was from the Great Northern newspapers. Oh, really? It was the Great Northern. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, I'm sure I'm missing some visual gags as I'm writing this. There's so many references (laughs) to Twin Peaks in this show. Okay, so they go to the festival, and there is a cinnamon owl named Leo, (laughs) and the mayor is named Douglas Fir. (laughs) 
And we want to know who will be the Cinnamon King. Ridiculous. <laughs> and it's Randy, yeah. the town Bobby Briggs. <laughs> and he does, he wears, he wears his shirt across his, 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 yeah, around his body like, like Bobby Briggs does. So very, very yeah. much Bobby Briggs. Yeah. He's, <laughs> He's got punk. the Letterman jacket. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sean realizes that, oh, he um, realizes that there's a missing townsperson by the he sees like the empty chairs and adds them all up in his psychic way and realizes that the chair next to the Barkers is the missing person. There's a chair here for every person in town. Three are empty. Sheriff's talking, so that's one. Check it out. There's one right next to the Barkers. Yeah. And I mean, there's a sign when he first comes in to the, the town and I, w I should know the number. Is it 288? It's something yeah. like that. 388, something. It's a very low number. But right, he, so he saw, so right, so he, he saw that that's what the sign said. So he was able to do the math. But the funny thing is, of course, sign, why, why you would think that that sign was accurate, I don't know. Why. <laughs> it's a small town, Ben. I right, mean, so every day they change the sign. It's like, let's make it a. Someone <laughs> dies, he subtracts, someone's born, they add. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every day that it did kind of look like it had been changed. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so he goes over to talk to the Burkers and they admit that their niece Paula went missing. And Sean offers to psychically investigate. And they both offer to work for cider and pie. <laughs> <laughs> as one would do. As one would do. We are available for hire. We don't have much money. None of us do here. We believe it complicates things. Well, we have been known to work for cider and pie in the past. Oh, of course. As much as you like. We will find your niece. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but there's someone else missing, Jack. And he rides up suddenly on his bicycle and says that something has happened at the lake. Something happened at the lake. Something happened at the lake. It's Paula. I know it is. <laughs> And at the lake, there's a body wrapped in plastic. Oh. And Cheryl Lee is there with the he, sheriff. <laughs> that was kind of a crazy scene, right? To see Cheryl Lee look down on another dead girl. I don't know. It was just weird. It was just right. weird seeing that scene. I yeah, bet it was weird for her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, this has got to be so surreal for her as an actress. Yeah. Yeah. When they were when they were deciding to cast this episode, when the first person was Cheryl Lee, they all they they just loved the idea of her unwrapping a girl in plastic. I mean, I guess that was the irony. Yeah. Were you expecting her to show up, Christian? This point, I thought maybe oh, we were just getting one cameo, like oh, like here's your like little cameo, and then we kept getting more and more. So after her, I was like, anything is game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, especially since you didn't recognize Robin Lively. No, yeah. So I, as far as I know, I was like, we got one. <laughs> well, or Harold. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh yeah. So the we got the Twin Peaks music. The Barkers show up, and uh, Michelle screams melodramatically. Very Sarah Palmer. No! <laughs> Bob cries over the body. <laughs> And Gus's sympathetic crying kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody over the top is crying. I mean, yes. it's, it definitely, 
I mean, it's being silly, like the idea that Sarah and, and Leland and everybody in the pilot was crying. Yeah, and I love Gus's sympathetic crying. It's yeah. like a running gag through the whole series. It's the best. <laughs> and it's the perfect episode for it. But also, Sean gets a text, who killed Paula Merrill? And when you see it written out like that, you can tell that it's an anagram of Laura Palmer very mm-hmm. easily, yeah. very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, my brain put it like Laura Palmer. Did I see that? Wait, I have to look at that again. Yeah. 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 And then we get the opening credits and they're like slowed down, Julie Cruz theme song. The text is the same green from Twin Peaks. Not the same font, but the same green. (laughs) And we go back to the lake. Um, I just want to mention about the theme song. So at the end of the theme song, there's a white horse right there, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, that's something that is mentioned in Twin Peaks and Fire Walk with Me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right after all the disused bicycles. uh, Just a white horse. (laughs) So, Christian, you haven't seen all of Twin Peaks yet. Are you in season two right now? No, I have. Um, I think I've seen like maybe a couple episodes of season two, but I think we're kind of saving it for the podcast whenever we get to it. Nice. Uh, but I've seen parts of three, and it was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should stay away from spoilers, right? Yeah, right. I that's mean, what I'm getting. At. Yeah. yeah, he we... hasn't seen season two yet. Okay. Or okay. season three. All right. There's only a couple things I'm worried about him finding out, but. You know, I think it'll be fine. I was there once, Christian. I was there once <laughs> when we did our show. I five years yeah. ago. That's where, that's where we started with our show. We would start off every interview with Ben. Would be like, Brian has not finished. Don't say anything. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I should have mentioned that. Doc Gooden is going to do a full autopsy. That's Shirley. I just love that her name is Doc Gooden. <laughs> yeah. And Deputy Frost who is the yes. hot kind of character. <laughs> he drives the Barkers home in a rickshaw. <laughs> it was so weird. Like, everybody, it's such a small town that you everybody uses a bike with, yeah. in a rickshaw. And He's very much the hot character. I mean, when he comes, when, when he, right when he goes to pick them up, he gets off and touches the grass and says, the earth is soft and moist. <laughs> but it's like he's, he's like a tracker or something. But he's just... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't think he had any more lines. I don't no, think that was, saw, big that was it. And I was kind of like saddened that uh, they underutilized. <laughs> I don't think he shows up again at all. I don't think so. <laughs> I know. What a shame. What yeah. A shame. Well, even a lot of the cameos are just like one thing and that's it. Yeah. The earth is soft and moist. Paula, actually, interestingly, we find out grew up in Santa Barbara, which is where Sean and Gus are from. And Sean gets another text while they're at the lake with a coordinate of some kind, just like a series of numbers. Back in Santa Barbara, Jules, or Juliet, and Henry, Sean's dad, are admiring a donut display from their new receptionist. (laughs) In all my years of police work, I've never seen anything like it. I know. Our new station manager is an angel sent from heaven. The donut display I dream about seeing someday. <laughs> it's a, an angel sent it from heaven. So yeah, it was a, yeah. Uh, similar to, to Cooper. Policeman's dream. Yep. Lucy sets it up for us every night. Sean calls and asks Jules to look up Paula Merrill's record. 
since she was from there. But they only get reception in one tiny spot in the whole town, so he takes one step and loses her. So they ride a tandem bike, Sean and Gus, to the doctor's office. <laughs> and on the sign, you can see that she does everything from psychiatry to veterinary medicine and literally about 20 different things in between. <laughs> Looks like the doctor stays pretty busy. And her next patient is a mima bird. <laughs> she knows about that like one. Like Waldo. Like Waldo. Yeah. <laughs> Protect that bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean does some questioning and observing. There's no signs of foul play. There's a really funny bit with Gus who does not want to <laughs> take off his clothes and put on a gown. And Cheryl Lee is standing there with like her fingers <laughs> up the whole time. Yeah, she she puts the glove on and she's got <laughs> she's got like you know the lubrication ready and i'm like his tu- his stomach hurts what is she doing <laughs> no yeah i mean twin peaks has its funny moments but i don't yeah. think cheryl lee has ever been involved in any of them except for maybe like just you and me the song <laughs> <laughs> yeah she mentions that she was um uh meryl's psychologist so she'd be like the dr jacoby <laughs> <Yes. everything. laughs> but katherine colson Makes her guest appearance. She comes out of the grocery store something with a log. That kid has a secret. What did grandma tell you about wandering off in the store? Oh, come on. I was getting ready to say. That would have been too much. And it looks like she's talking to it, but it's actually her grandson. <laughs> yeah, the camera looks down like it's a, it's a medium shot, and then it, it kind of comes out, and you see that she's actually talking to a child and stuff. Yeah. yeah that's, that's <laughs> They're like, it would have been too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a funny story, though, about how she tried to bring the actual log from the show oh. to be on that. They were saying in the Pali Center, but the airline wouldn't let her bring it onto the plane. And she wouldn't check it in her baggage, so she decided not to bring it. <laughs> yeah. We talked to her briefly before her passing and stuff. And right, she mentioned, and she that. mentioned that too. And and she said, right, at the Paley Center about like the log. You want to bring the log on the air? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, great. That's amazing. And then she has a mini log that she she used to bring with her at places. So that one that she could put in her uh, suitcase. That's so cool that you guys got to interview her. That yeah. Pally Center thing, she was just like the, the highlight of the whole thing. It's just her telling stories. I was like, oh, but I wouldn't give to just listen to Catherine Gilson talk for a while. I know. <laughs> and who, I, who knew? I, nobody knew that she was sick or even and stuff, too. That Real yeah. quick, I mean, I just asked for 10 minutes and stuff like that. I was just kind of like, can we talk to you for 10 minutes? And she, she agreed to 10 minutes of interview and stuff. And that was, that was pretty special. That's awesome. That's yeah. really amazing. That was it for her character, right? I think she's called... Think, yeah. What's she called? The log woman? I think she's called <laughs> the log woman. <laughs> trying to look her, oh, the wood woman. I'm sorry. She's called the wood woman. And right in the Paley Center, uh, that that discussion that I think she um, she was calling it uh, tinder wood or it was a firewood. Uh, it wasn't even the log. It was just oh yeah firewood. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it was like flat. You know, yeah. it looked like yeah. a log from one angle, but it was just flat. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so they see Randy after this, go by on a bike, and they follow on their tandem bike, and they do like a little bike chase over this little bridge that kind of looks like the train track bridge, I thought, from Twin Peaks a little bit. Right. And upon arrival, they discover that Randy is actually the sheriff's son. Oh, sheriff, didn't expect to see you here. I live here, what do you mean? Of course you do. You're Randy's 
father. Yes. Wow. You guys have Bob Barker, Doc Gooden, and Randy Jackson, all living in the same inlet town with no cars, cell phones, or internet. Sean, we need to pitch this to Mark Burnett. Dun, dun, dun. And they, I know, <laughs> they offer their services as grief counselors. <laughs> <laughs> and on the way up to Randy's room, we get a fan shot. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, the, and there's another fan shot later on. So, I mean, they did, they did the fan shot a few times. Yeah, <laughs> it's iconic. <laughs> I swear, they've just crammed as much as they could into this episode. Um, upstairs, Randy is throwing darts. He seems angry. He says he was at the library when Paula died, and he says he loved her, and he <laughs> cries, and we get Twin Peaks and Gus just can't help himself. He sympathetically cries as well. <laughs> we were going to see the world together. I'm going to be so lost without her. Oh, Paula. Much a call back to Bobby and and Dr. Kobe, and or, or, or yeah, was it? I think yeah, where he was crying and then he kind of went down. I mean, he went on the couch and and cried. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, that was a great scene. So we go to the library. Cheryl and Ben is the librarian, <laughs> and her name is Maudette Hornsby. I was trying to figure out what the play on Maudette. First of all, I've never yeah. even heard of that name. Like the Hornsby is very much like Horn. Like Audrey Horn, but I'm. I thought at I first it was Audet in Maudet. Yeah, I thought it was Audet at first, and then I heard the M later on. I was like, "Oh, Maudet." Yeah. So I think they were just saying the, the odd. They're like, "What's another odd kind of word?" Right, uh, <laughs> you're right. <Maud? laughs> she thinks cherry is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking cherry coke. You yes, know, cherry tattoo or something. Right. Later on, you'll see near her fingernail is a cherry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Very much into cherry. Yeah. I'm Maudette Hornsby. Isn't cherry the best? The best what? Everything silly. Uh, she has a special bond with Randy, and they find out in the library or figure out that the text they got was actually a Dewey Decimal number. And they find the book. It's called Put Your Way to a Better Life by Earl Wyndham. <laughs> which is a reference that Christian won't get until the end, but <laughs> uh, but it's actually a book on reincarnation. Very Mark Frost. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Yeah, it's just yeah. the, the the cover over the book, and once they took that off, they realized it was a different book. And yeah. who uses the Dewey Decimal System anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, in two thousand five, they probably still were, right? <laughs> and, you know, when I first saw the uh, the text with the numbers, I was just like, season three because it was coordinates. That's what I was thinking. Oh. Now, can you imagine, this is no spoilers, Christian, don't worry, but <laughs> there's coordinates, but what if the coordinates were just the Dewey Decimal System and it brought you to the library? Christian, you should Has worry. anyone checked? <laughs> uh, what if this is where they got the idea? What if Mark Frost saw this episode and was like, hmm, that's an interesting thing. Wow. Christian, you should be Mind worried. Blown. Ryan will spoil everything. Don't I listen won't. to him at all. <laughs> no, not. honestly, okay. there's nothing in season three that I feel like would matter if it got spoiled. <laughs> so <laughs> there's only like maybe three things in season two that I just, the only reason I don't want to spoil it is because I want to see his reaction for the first time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was totally. the same with you with Brian. I want yeah, to yeah. see him. <laughs> 
but I think he'll be okay. You're not a huge spoiler. Like you don't care about spoilers, right? Not sure. really. And my brain will forget it in like a day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Dewey Decimal System has a big moment in season three. <laughs> I am looking up the Dewey Decimal number. <laughs> So we would go back to the lake and um, Gus this time is talking to Juliet because he said he had to be the one because he didn't like the way Sean talks to her. This is the whole running thing from the series, which probably isn't important, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, apparently Paula Merrill drowned in Santa Barbara seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. So they go back to the diner and there's a strange man giving Sean and Gus a very Twin Peaks thumbs up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very yes. much like the waiter from, uh, in the Great Northern there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carlton and Jules saunter in. They're here to ID the body because they never found it seven years ago when she supposedly drowned. All they found were her bike and sweater and a pile of chewed sunflower seeds. <laughs> and Sean remembers Bob eating sunflower seeds earlier. Oh. So they all go to the Barker's house. <laughs> Lucy was Paula's mother, and she ran away with her, and she was on drugs and abusive, so they faked Paula's death so they could take her away. Carlton and Jules leave, like, you know, go do police stuff because this is a crime, and Sean and Gus investigate Paula's room, and they find her secret diary, mm. and... It's written in Latin. At least part of it is. Math was really hard today. Blah, blah, blah. Seems like normal high school stuff to me. Whoa. What is this language? Is this Chinese? No. It's Latin, Sean. Latin? Gus Paul must have thought someone was reading her diary. We gotta find out what that says. Yeah, but who do we know that speaks Latin? So they call an old favorite from the series, <laughs> Father Peter Wesley, a.k.a. Ray Wise. <laughs> yeah, so Ray uh, Wise was right, was in a, in, a, in a previous episode of Psych, so they yeah. could just reuse that character who's already been established. I was going to ask yeah. that if th he was a recurring character or was this the first time you saw him? No, he was definitely in another one. I think it might have involved an exorcism of yep. some sort. I, <laughs> right. sure. I wonder if they're like, okay, we're setting him up on purpose. Because we know we're going to be doing this episode, so we set him up and we bring him in. It's not going to look weird. I don't think so. I think that I no? think they liked Ray Wise and they got Ray Wise, and then they when they were doing they were putting this together, they were like, "Well, why create a new character? We've already have him." Well, you have Ray Wise, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Sean or um, James Roday was probably already a fan of his, and was like, yeah, yeah. Let's you know, right. since he wanted to do this Twin Peaks episode, he was probably like, well, let's get him if we can get, get the whole episode, you know? I think he might come back again throughout the series a couple more times, if That's I remember correctly. Cool. I, I always love it when he shows up on a TV show. It's always yeah. a fun TV show that I don't oh, watch. Yeah. <laughs> I would say my favorite Ray Wise cameo was in Fargo a lot oh. when he showed up at the, uh, the bowling alley at the bar. That was really good. And then on the plane. Man, it was like, his part was so good and so important to the whole of the story that I didn't feel like I needed more of him because it was just so perfect. It was just so I perfect. I haven't seen Fargo. You saw it though, Christian, right? I've not seen the movie. I've only seen the show. It, he's in the show. It's uh, season two, I believe. Two. He's at the bar and stuff. Like he was at a bar. And he's on with... the plane. He's on the plane in the bar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I... Well, he's a great actor. I've, I've, that's one of those shows on my list of ones to yeah. watch someday. 
Very bingeable. Yeah. <laughs> I can never remember shows I binge, though. <laughs> I, Do you really mention that? that? I mean, so they're, they, they're, they're translating. They need he, the, the father there, Ray Wise, needs to translate the Latin for oh, them. Right. And that's where they get into, like, I can tell you about, uh, what is it, the, the J, like, the, yeah, she's referring to his name as an R, and then they're also mentioning a, a, a J, but it's, I mean, Twin Peaks did that again, that the, in the first season, we were talking about, worried about meeting J. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's 26. <laughs> I mean, that was like a straight homage. <laughs> yeah. Know. So they go back to the library after that, and Maudette tells them that she likes to dance all night long. <laughs> And they get the yearbook. It's like super thin. And there were only six people in the graduating class, which was big. <laughs> and, and right before that, before the whole dance thing, she said, Gus was wondering if you'd like to be a date to Betty Boop Night at the Roadhouse. They don't have a Betty Boop Night at the Roadhouse. Well, then they don't have my business anymore either. It's <laughs> like Roadhouse. What is that? I mean, for somebody who doesn't know Twin Peaks, what does that even mean, the Roadhouse? But that's, that's a really is a Twin Peaks reference. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her flirting with Gus. That's <laughs> Sean figures out that Jack Shepard is important, so they go to ask him some questions. And Jack, when they get their photographer, they find out he was with Paula until a year ago, I guess, um, dating her. But they stayed friends, and they suspect him for a murder of the murder for a second. But then they realize that he's mostly blind. Thirty <laughs> percent. Mm, I gotta tell you, you are the highest functioning blind person that I've ever seen. I'm not technically blind. I still have 30% vision in my right eye for now. A couple of years ago, I developed early onset macular degeneration. I'm sensing it was around 05? Yeah, that's right. Where were you the night Paula disappeared? I was with her at the beginning of the night. It, but he was with Paula earlier on the night of her death. He got knocked out, but when he came to, she was gone. So they look at the film that he shot that night, and they see Randy in one of the photos. But currently, Jules is with Randy, and the ominous music starts, <laughs> and she goes inside with him, and we cut to a commercial. <laughs> okay, I'm Juliette O'Hara. Randy. Randy Jackson. a police work. I've never seen anything like it. I know. On December 1st. I know who killed Paula Merrill. Don't miss the tribute to the groundbreaking series Twin Peaks. Three cinnamon pies, please. Damn fine cup of cider. And it's a damn fine episode. Epic. Psych. All new and supersized Wednesday, December 1st at 10 on USA. Characters welcome. Are you having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge-watching Twin Peaks in quarantine, and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over 100 cast and crew members. This book covers Season 1, Season 2, Firewalk With Me, and Season 3. But wait, there's more! This book has commentary from the community and the host from the wildly popular podcast, 
Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Order now. Supplies are very limited. Go to bluerosemag.com today. Back from commercial, Randy is sawing wood while Jules waits. <laughs> Randy is kind of creepy as he asks Jules what she weighs. <laughs> and just then, the psych boys run in. Hey! Get your wood out of her face, Randy. Randy admits to knocking out Jack on that night of her death. And Randy spends a lot of time with his ex-girlfriend, we find out. But he swears he didn't do it. <laughs> And then Sean figures out that Maudette was the secret ex, secret girlfriends. <laughs> and I wrote, I really want some cinnamon pie. So I guess they're eating pie. <laughs> <laughs> Great thing is, they're, 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 this is the same place. They're eating pie as they walk down the road. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the forks, and they're literally just eating it, talking and walking and eating pie. <laughs> I really wanted some pie watching this. <laughs> I've never heard of cinnamon pie, but I kept thinking it would taste dry. I don't know. To me, it doesn't sound delicious, but I want some. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Christian is the food expert. It'd be like a, a pecan pie, but just throw cinnamon inside and no pecans. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like a buttery thing. Oh, okay. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Or maybe that. like a cream pie or something. Yeah. Okay, so Sean suspects Maudette now because she's a secret girlfriend. And so they go to find her and they find her dead. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Maudette! That's no good. Oh. I am so sick of this town. The, the doc sheriff think she did it because her reputation would be ruined when everybody found out about her and Randy. And that's when Sean discovers a wire leading to the library. I don't know if we mentioned that the town has no internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think but we they have a web page. They have a web page. <laughs> But no internet, nor cell service, but they found a wire, yeah. It's all yeah. coming together now. Yeah, because <laughs> Maudette secretly had the internet the whole time. And she was the one who emailed Psych. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but as soon as they make this discovery, they also discover that they're locked in her office and there's smoke coming in from the under the door and we're left with a cliffhanger. Guys, I'm not messing around. I'm not, Sean. Sean? Yes, guys. Something's burning. You see that? Help us! Somebody help us! We're stuck in this tiny room! Help us! And we come back, and smoke is pouring in, and someone in black chops through the door. That's kind of, I don't know, is that a Twin Peaks reference or just a Shining reference? <laughs> it, it felt very Shining. I was waiting for somebody to poke their head through the door there and say, here's Johnny! <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But whoever the mysterious figure is, he saves them, and we find out that it was Father Wesley. <laughs> Rewise! Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> he figured out that they were in trouble by what Paula wrote, and when he got to town, he saw the smoke and the tandem bicycle, and he just figured he better save the day. <laughs> <laughs> and he also says that his hair turned white because of a bad dye job, which is <laughs> another reference. <laughs> another yeah. Yep, yep. And then just then, Bob pulls up to rescue them. And he takes them to a cabin with a lot of red curtains. Mm -hmm. And there's a portrait of his grandfather who founded Dual Spires, and he looks very much like Major Briggs. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like my one of my favorite things, that Major the, Briggs. The portrait? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was so cool. Yeah, it definitely looked like it could be 
in the Briggs household, <laughs> like right. on their wall. <laughs> yeah. We find out there were three founding families and everything was perfect until the sawmill fire, which I we guess we found out the sawmill was the diner previously. But, but after that, they wouldn't let any outsiders in and... Even Paula was looked on with suspicion in the town. And secretly, Bob was her father the whole time, and his wife does not know. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> just let's skate by that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they make reference to uh, the village. It's in the absolute worst in man. He decided to settle here with two other soldiers from his squadron and their families. I was wrong. He's in witness. This is the village. The village was a ridiculous film. Those we do not speak of. Remember all that nonsense? <laughs> I, I, you know, another a reference on a reference on a reference. Sort yes. Of. Well, Christian was just talking about how it reminded him of the village, and I was like, well, they made the reference to the village. <laughs> yeah, we <completely> forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many references. It's like, I'm sure I missed oh, several of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just then, the duck and sheriff come in with guns drawn they say the barkers and the goodens were the other two founding families and they were responsible for the murders and now they're planning to kill the rest of them as well and just when things look hopeless lassiter and juliet show up and arrest the murderers <laughs> and we said who the murderers were basically so right it was the uh Oh, yeah. Well, the sheriff and the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Laura Palmer and Harold Smith there. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Yeah. I know. What a different show. <laughs> it was Maddie. Imagine if Harry time. had done it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was Maddie and Harry. That was yeah. <laughs> or um, Doc Hayward and Sheriff Truman. Right, right. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. The least likely. So back at the diner, um, we see Jack in a red suit, <laughs> and he's got uh, an eye patch, and he looks very much like the arm, and he puts some money into the jukebox and starts dancing. Jules and Sean and Gus and Father Wesley are all eating pie, and Carlton looks just like Agent Cooper as he's trying a cup of cider. And that is a damn fine cup of cider. <laughs> and we see a giant order three cinnamon pies please and also there's someone in a helmet hitting his head on the counter like a la jack horn yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and all the characters are dancing randy is barking out of a window at a dog <laughs> Jules and Sean decide to leave when confronted by all of this weirdness. <laughs> and then the credits roll over a homecoming picture, presumably a follow-up. <laughs> yeah, awesome. you know that last scene in the diner? Um, I'm trying to remember now. I, I believe I'm right. I could be wrong, but it was cool. It was like one continuous shot from that jukebox. You know, like they mm -hmm. came out and you saw these characters come around. And then it, it, it might have cut to the Cooper character. But then when they went back, it was another continuous shot of them leaving with the craziness just happening around them. I thought it was kind of well, it was really cool. And yeah. that, was, yeah. that shot wasn't took forever. If we ever had <laughs> the guy uh, some psych on the show, which we wanted to, I don't think it will happen. That would be my big question, doing that last shot. It seemed yeah. like a lot oh, yeah. of fun. 
And Dan Ashbrook's uh, Bob character there, he is very much dressed like Bobby Briggs. Yeah. He is walking backwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Bobby has done, like running back in the pilot, how he ran backwards and stuff. So I like yes. that. Yeah. Well, thank you for the recap. That was awesome. Thank you oh, for doing all that. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> well, Ben, what now on Peacock, and I'm, I watch it on Amazon Prime, and it seems like this is the only two places that it is streaming. It was 15 minute. It was a 15 minute 50. episode. The, on the DVD, the fifth, season five DVD, there is an extended version of this. I want to say, I could be wrong. I want to say it's six minutes longer. And some of the stuff that's not, uh, that, that's, that extended was when they originally come to the town, Dual Spires, there's actually a longer time before they actually get to town. Like they're going through woods and there's like humor oh. music. And like, there's a whole, like, I remember seeing it for the first time thinking, wow, they got to town really quickly. Like you're, you're from their office and all of a sudden they're basically walk into town. Yeah. And they whole, walked out of the woods too. They, yeah, they walked, walked in the woods. So there was a whole wood sequence. So there oh. was like a few minutes of the woods and you're listening to the cure and they're just doing that. We circled three times. There's no road that leads to dual spires. I don't think this place exists. I think someone with the knowledge of our cinnamon weakness is messing with this. I wouldn't call it a weakness. I mean, it is the world's tastiest spice, Gus. The drop-off to nutmeg is quite significant. And then there was um, there was a scene where I believe it's the Barker's house, and there is a is it a is it a deer? I don't know if it is a deer. It's some kind of head animal on the on the table or something uh, kind of similar to the pilot. Uh, <laughs> I think there's an extended version of that where the wife is talking about that, uh, that just lying there. Pleasure to meet you, detectives. This is my wife. Paula? No, honey, that's not Paula. That's the moose I shot last month. Doc Gooden just stuffed it for us. So those are the ones I remember that they added. I said, I don't think we missed that much. I think we... Yeah. yeah, and I think that maybe the dance scene was extended a little bit, like the okay. ending sequence. Yeah. Just from what they said on that Pally Center thing, but it's been a while. But I do, when you said walking through the woods, it like triggered a memory. I was like, yeah, I think I have I've definitely seen it at some point. <laughs> I just... <laughs> It seems like every minute there's some Twin Peaks reference. There was the chocolate bunny on the on the on the psych office. Oh, like I didn't that. see John that. John Spencer here. He was he was looking at his computer and they panned to a chocolate bunny. It's like, is it the bunny? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I missed it. That show is always so chock full of references, and this one especially. Like, there's always a pineapple somewhere in an episode, and oh, I yeah. never ever catch them because there's just always so much going on. I don't. So either. I'm sure I missed like a ton of stuff. Yeah, what's with the? You know, you mentioned the pineapple. Now I'm I'm going back remembering the commercials and a pineapple or something of that nature being part of the logo, or I see a pineapple associated with the word psych. <laughs> So maybe, maybe that's why now I, I, it all comes together. Yeah, I think in maybe the first episode, Sean brings a pineapple as a gift to someone. And in like almost every episode, there's a pineapple somewhere in the episode. Oh. <laughs> they must have just really liked pineapples on that set. <laughs> <laughs> so they, were, they had talked about actually wanting to maybe make another episode of Dual Spires and maybe bring Kyle McLaughlin or other people. I don't know if that was just wishful thinking but I, I mean of course it never happened and i'm trying i don't even remember how many seasons psych was on it was on Nine, many I years think. and they they've just done a new movie with peacock and things like that but there was there was talk at least they thought about it like wouldn't it be fun to come back and, and do another episode yeah 
I have, um, even though I find it hard to watch TV sometimes, I do have a certain soft spot for shows that just go on forever and are just like good forever. And the fact that Psych is still producing movies now just makes me happy. (laughs) That's fun. We have anything else we want to share about this episode that we, I mean, there's so, I love all the details all, (laughs) and it was was fun. It was fun to see all the, the actors from Twin Peaks come back and, uh, I thought it was kind of cool to see Harold Smith. He had the white hair, you know, and he looks. I don't everybody's know. Older. Everybody's, you know, that's yeah. That's but 20, you look cool with the white hair. Twin Peaks, and yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait till I have a pure white hair. I mean, <laughs> my beard's already on its way. I'm working on it. <laughs> You're working on, yeah. I mean, with quarantine, I hope that speeds up the process. 2020 has sped up the whiteness in the hair. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, for many reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was awesome yeah did you guys have uh, like a favorite moment in the episode like a favorite part i always like those favorite moments <laughs> i don't know if i have a favorite moment right now but some of the one-liners like there's a one-liner where when um jules is by herself with uh with the high school student i can't think of his name right this second randy and and sean comes in and says hey Get your wood out of her face, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the two by fours, four by eight, cutting the wood, and he's got the wood. Yes. Like, yes. It's just like get your wood out of your out of her face. And I don't know, it's just a strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it went in line with Twin Peaks with the uh with those weird I mean, they did the same thing. You know, uh fresh squeezed oranges, all that stuff, remember? Yes, it's very bizarre. Very innuendo kind of stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a favorite moment, Christian? I was just about to say those, like, little one-liners. When they find the diary and they're reading through it and they get to the part where it's in Latin and um, Sean, like, yells out, What is this language? Is this Chinese? No. And it's, like, clearly written in, like, English letter. (laughs) (laughs) Not Chinese whatsoever. It just made me laugh. I don't know if I can say a favorite for myself, um, <clears throat> except for I really loved the last scene just because it was like a little encapsulation of the whole Twin Peaks in the episode. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I just really love Psych so much and I love Twin Peaks and it was just, it's like to me, a perfect episode of television. <laughs> oh, it was really good. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this episode makes me, you know, I'm more curious about watching Psych since I know now they do more thing, they do things like this a lot, which is kind of cool. But you can tell the writers and all them, they put a lot of so many references in this. And usually <laughs> it's not that many, you know? Yeah. So I, I think they did such a great job, you know? I, I mean, yeah. if, if anybody listening who's never seen Psych or this episode, I mean, you're in for a treat, really. It really is. Oh, yeah. It's a real love letter yeah. to the show. Yeah. You could tell he loved the show. And. You know, I mean, it pokes fun at just the right places without, you know, ever being, you know, really making fun of it. But, you know, just embracing those moments. <laughs> Peely Center uh, special, they did a whole, they, they didn't get all, all the actors, but they brought a bunch of them came and there was a whole discussion about this specific episode. And they, I, it was mentioned that Jennifer Lynch liked the episode. And then uh, Catherine Coulson said that, uh, Lynch was thrilled about the episode. Anything that helps people remember Twin Peaks is good. So it was nice to hear that. Uh, wow. You know, <laughs> he sort of endorsed yeah. it. He, he thought it was a fun episode. High praise. Yeah. High yeah. praise yeah. from the man. <laughs> I was really impressed with that too. <laughs> and I did also write down that um, Cheryl Lee was friends with Tim 
Amundsen, who plays Carlton, mm. they've been friends for years. And so that's how she got involved with the show. And I was wondering, I feel like both of them do theater, I think. So it'd be interesting. Uh, to, I'd, be, I'd be curious yes. to see where their connection was. Was it theater or was it, you know, another acting gig or how that happened? But, you know, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I would say my, my favorite part is the opening theme, how they did that, and then the ending theme. But I would go... Julie Cruz, both times. Yeah, both times. I thought that was so cool. And then, you know, like you said, my the very ending, um, it encapsulates the, the whole feel. They get all the references you couldn't cram in during the show. We got it all at the end. And I yeah. I just, I want to know more about how it was filmed. I really like, was it one take? Was there any uh, hidden edits in there? I, I just like stuff like that. That was really well done. Yeah. I, I want to give a special shout out for um, the moment by the lake where they find the body and it's all the melodramatic music and they're crying. Mm. And that's like some of the stuff we love the most when we watch it is like all yeah. the really soap opera bits. So Definitely. I just really love that part too. <laughs> love it. Yeah, talking about soap opera, another a line by uh, Sean was, what did he say? Um, he says here, what is it with all the secret relationships in this town? But it, it's true, like everybody's dating everybody. And that was Twin Peaks, right? I mean, it's a soap opera, like, and he mentions General Hospital and stuff like that. Again, yep. a reference that nobody, nobody has watches TV in town either, except for Everwood. <laughs> so again, well, I don't know what he's talking about. I was reading some of you guys, your book that's about, to, or that just came out recently. And I saw Audrey talking about when she was cast and she talking to David Lynch about how there's so many secret relationships going on in this town. So that's funny. It's just like the right. synchronicity right there. Yeah. When she was first being interviewed, I mean, when she was first auditioning for Twin Peaks, she like, she was, she's so blunt and honest. It's like, so David Lynch is like, Oh, what do you think? And she's well, I don't know. Everybody's <laughs> up with everybody. It's like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and when I started watching the show, I said to Ben, "This is like a soap opera. Everyone is like, I was like, oh, Twin Peaks. Everyone's got like a wife and then a person on the side. They always yeah. have. They can't just be dating one person. They have to be connected <laughs> to two people, like everybody. And I don't know if well, it's discussed I enough that uh, you know." David Lynch loves soap operas. He used to watch soap operas all the time. Like he would watch these shows when he had time. And Mark Frost, who came from Hill Street Blues, it had somewhat of a, of a soap opera storyline that it was continuous and you had these relationships that were always forming. So it's interesting that the, both these creators kind of brought that to Twin Peaks. Yeah, well, I mean, this was the first soap opera I ever watched was Twin Peaks, and <laughs> I credit it for my personal love of soap operas because I only ever loved the crazy ones like Passions and Days <laughs> of Our Lives when it was especially crazy. <laughs> yeah. Can you share more about Manners and Madness podcast? Like, it's Twin Peaks, but it's more than Twin Peaks, right? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's... um. It's po polar opposite of each other. It's uh, two things mixed into one. We're a Jane Austen and a David Lynch podcast because they're just like my two favorite artists. <laughs> and Christian has was pretty unfamiliar with both of them, but I thought he would like both of them. So, and we both love podcasts. So we just really were looking for something to do. And it started off as a Jane Austen podcast, but I was like, maybe we could just do, you know, some David Lynch every once in a while just to break it up so we don't get bored. And it didn't take more than like one conversation before we're like, no, let's just do both. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And we like to do, um, you know, every month or so we'll do a episode where we try to mash up what we've seen 
and you know think about how we could put the two together like how would we put Twin Peaks with Northanger Abbey because we did that one for like four months or something mm. we read the book and watched the first season of Twin Peaks at the same time it was really it I think it's interesting because we we really have been pulling out some interesting things from Jane Austen and from David Lynch by watching them both together. <laughs> nice. There are yeah. a lot of shocking similarities, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> that you would never think, but I guess that really kind of speaks to the kind of work that they both do. I guess in like, you see a lot of similarities in cultural reset kind of works. I feel like the longer we go, the more we'll find because there are definitely some Jane Austen adaptations from like the 80s that are very still and presentational. And I'm like, I bet if we were watching the right David Lynch at the same time, we'd be like, these are like <laughs> could have been made at the, <laughs> the same time. <laughs> Not something. So our dream is to know how David Lynch would direct a Jane Austen adaptation. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty cool. And you recently covered uh, Rabbits, which is my favorite uh, DavidLynch.com uh, uh, videos that he made back in the day. Yeah, I think didn't you say they were your favorite, Christian? When we did the one year anniversary, yeah, one of your favorites. Out of all the shorts that we did, I found, I thought I had the most fun watching it because it was just so, like, I didn't know what to expect going in. And you have these, like, the set that looks like it's a miniature set, but it's mm. full size. And it's like, you know, somebody like Naomi Watts, I wouldn't expect to just like show up in a rabbit costume and stand up and for applause for <laughs> during this <laughs> ridiculous, like, dystopian, creepy just scene. It's just, it was so interesting to me. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> So did you have a theory on what it's about then? Gosh, do I, I, I don't even know anymore. My we had, we did a, we did a pod about it. And we, we did, but I, we can't, hit I upon can't remember. Some interesting things. I think I had back in, when we, when we did it, I think I had things to say, but now I can't even remember now. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, are they in purgatory? I can't remember now. It was, it was, it was strange because they're kind of like seemed to be stuck in this place. And then at one point there was like a demon thing that was, there over the house like so yeah i i think that was my theory that whether they were kind of stuck there even though the door they would come and go they, through the door you never really left that that space it's cool i loved it it was really good it's strange <laughs> to see that first and then have that be brought into emperor uh inland empire, empire? Uh, yeah like that they, they, they use some of that but it's like i you're so i'm so used to the story being rabbits by itself to include it into the film now it was 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 a little hard it was for me it was a little jarring i i still glad that, that we were able to bring it into the movie it's just different ah, i haven't actually that's like the like one thing i've never seen and so i'm just waiting until we do it for the podcast now because oh. it's so rare that there's anything new for me yeah. on the podcast that's cool <laughs> so yeah. i'm excited to see that yeah you yeah. you know don't watch that movie late at night because <laughs> i mean watch it when you're wide awake have some coffee and the first time I saw Rabbits was in Inland Empire. And then we did Rabbits later on. So I saw it in the movie. For me, it made sense in the film. But I, I, I totally get what Ben's saying because you're so used to seeing it one way. Yeah, um, I kind of think of its own thing. And I don't know how it goes. It's hard for me to put it movie, into another context. Like right, yeah, I could see where it, it can, there's, a, there's a, a through line. Because it's, these rabbits re, having a day over and over and over again and the movie's kind of about something that's just repeating over and over again so yeah. I, I could see the through line i could see yeah. why he did that but was it needed was he padding time i don't know the movie was long enough <laughs> um it's a very very interesting film 
<laughs> very interesting. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> That's the only way I can put it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's very interesting. And you know, we look forward to you guys covering. Yeah, it. I re, you know, I will subscribe. I'm going to subscribe to your show today, which I think everybody should. And I will be very excited to listen to you guys talk about that movie. When I saw it, I mean, if I if there was no season three coming or anything, the movie to me almost felt like, oh, this is David Lynch's final film. It felt that mm. way to me watching it, wow, right? Yeah. If, you, if you were like season three wasn't happening or Lynch wasn't doing any more movies, it kind of felt like it was a goodbye, a goodbye film. Right. That's all I'm going to say. Now, it feels like he's putting out new content every day. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> he'll never say goodbye. <laughs> I'm so happy. I know I loved DavidLynch.com back in the day. He had to be a subscriber and pay money to, to see his videos. And now he's just doing it for free on YouTube. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. It's, yeah. I feel like, well, for me personally, I, as soon as all of this pandemic started, I was like, I just started putting out my, I'm a photographer, so I started putting out my photos every day, which I normally never did, just on Instagram. And it was just like, I just felt the need to be constantly producing stuff and trying to reach out to people. So I feel like maybe he's feeling the same way and I'm mm. very grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. It is a strange year. I mean, Brian, you and I had the book out right before march didn't we like we yeah our, our book came out luckily last. right before everything yeah right yeah yeah right before so it was kind of like we had plans to do like little tours right maybe do library readings and and things like that we had all these plans and then it was like ah oh, we're not going to do that <laughs> what are we going to do now but, uh, yeah, our podcast at this point has been on longer in quarantine than we were out of quarantine post-pandemic or whatever. Yeah. I think the <laughs> pandemic has been good for podcasting, you know? Well, it's certainly, <laughs> I feel like all my friends are now starting them, so. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely inspired a lot of people to want to make them, so I, that's great. Yeah. I love, I love podcasts. I love tiny podcasts about just one person's random passions because- I just love listening to people talk about stuff they love. <laughs> for sure. Yep. So true. So for your listeners, you know, we're Twin Peaks Unwrapped, and we've been doing this for about five years, Brian and I. Uh, we started off with Brian going through the whole series. We had never seen Twin Peaks. We went through the whole – I think we did that. In, was it two years? I think – did it take us two years to do I think it took us about two years to get through the whole Almost, the whole yeah. series until we got to the new season and then we covered season three. And then we've just done interviews and, and we just love having uh, friends of the show talk about their books and what they're working on. And uh, then we decided, we decided, boy, with, for the 30th anniversary, we should put out a book with all the interviews we've done with people over the years. So, uh, you know, yeah. So we'll keep going. We'll go for till June and then we're wrapping it up. We'll be done. We'll have done six years of, of the podcast. Yeah. Wow. I've been listening to you guys for a really long time. I love your podcast. I've tried out so many Twin Peaks podcasts and a lot of them I've just kind of like fallen off of, but y'all are just the premier one. And I started, I mean, I've got your book and I've been reading it a little bit, but I was so impressed by it because I don't know. Did you guys do an audiobook version? I feel like I remember. I want to. I, want, I, to. I want to. I want to. So my idea. Oh no, here we go. I want to tell you my idea. So, so my and Christian, I'm going to tell you my idea. And if you say you, you should do that, Brian, it gives no. me more clout that it can happen <laughs> because Ben is against it. My idea was, and it really can't happen. It really can't. But here was my idea. Ben and myself like to make extra work for ourselves. We oh, are not writers. Me. We're not writers. We're talkers. So we know our strengths. We know things we're not good at. 
<laughs> so it was basically, here's our notes for each episode, but we're going to go in the studio and talk and record that because Ben might think of something that he didn't write down. And I'm more a person, I would write and I just read it off. And if I had an extra, I would. This is only to prepare for the book. The book. So and then we would we, transcribe no- it. So it was notes, <laughs> audio, transcribed. So we like to make a lot of work for ourselves. A lot of work. I'm a lot of work. We need to do. Yeah. But it's just the way our workflow was. So anyway, I had the idea. I was like, Ben, since we're recording this, why don't I, after the book comes out, compile these recordings that nobody has ever heard and make it into a book, <laughs> the audio book. We can have an audio book and it'd be all done. And we wouldn't, it would be, it would be like Lynch's audio book for his, his memoirs that came out. Right, where it wasn't actually a, a, a identical. It was an unbridged, it was basically him just saying things. Yeah, it was riffing and he wasn't repeating what was in the book. And a lot of people were like, wow, I'm getting a different experience from the audio books than I am from reading. I thought that was so cool. Like, you know, like, I don't want to get an audio book of a book I can read. It's the same thing. Who cares? But if I could, if I can essentially get an audio book, but it's a little bit different. See, Brian can say all this because yeah. he had his notes and he had his act together, whereas I did not have my act together. And so I was still putting my thoughts together yeah, when I, I know. had to redo the book again I mean, when I was... <laughs> Yeah, so it couldn't work, right? Because Ben had nothing to say because he was still focusing on it. So if things had happened differently, I'm like, that would be awesome, right? Just here's the audio recordings, but... Uh, but we know, have maybe. the book. I mean, we have. Uh, we're running low on the book. I mean, we're only doing one printing, and that's it. So we have a little bit left for the for the book to purchase. You know, physical book, and then also you can get the digital uh, version of it on on Amazon, the Kindle version. Yeah, the best way you can get it for you know nineteen ninety nine is the bluerosemag.com. You should get it through there because I love them. They produce a lot of great stuff, and I have to say, as an avid audiobook listener. And I've listened to several podcast audiobooks. I love listening to pod- podcast audiobooks because it's like listening to the podcast. And it's just like a really long version of the podcast. And your book is already written out in such a way that it feels like it's a play. Like it's written out with dialogue. So I just think if you ever wanted to make all that extra work for yourself, it would be so worth it. I would enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's Brian's project if he wants to, but. Yeah, I could possibly pull that off somehow. I mean, maybe next year, once we've stopped the show, we can be like, oh, surprise, surprise, an audio book. But was all the other stuff from your audio interviews already? Like stuff yeah. you already recorded? Yeah, and new ones. I mean, we got new interviews just for the book. Oh, new interviews. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah. some of them we've been sharing uh, this year. We have actually been sharing some of our interviews. We did Dwayne Dunham. That was specifically for the book. We're now releasing in, as a podcast and stuff. So That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to use the book for a, re- a resource for our podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, you know, honestly, when Ben had the idea for the book, I mean you know, that was his idea was this could be a great resource for people that you read a chapter, you watch the episode and it gives right. you insight to that episode. And the book is not meant to be read all at once. It's meant to be as a resource or just, Hey, I read that chapter. Now I know a little bit more about, about it. Cause it, each chapter doesn't really spoil much. Yeah. I don't, I don't oh, believe. Yeah. So right. you could read it and be safe. Yeah. 
And yeah. it really is a community book. I mean, besides the, the, the 100 cast and crew that contributed to the book, we have over 50 people in the community that participated. And I think that's to me what it's all about. Like, we, we all kind of feed off each other and stuff. You know, I've learned stuff from other people, you know, whether it be Brad Dukes or uh, Stephen Miller or any of any people, you, you, you get things that they've learned and you're able to kind of go with that and say, well, maybe I can learn about this now. And I think that's what it should be. Oh, we should all be helping each other out and stuff. So I hope that this book is helpful to some people and kind of make, gives them a direction that they can go in. Mm. Oh, I love that too. I loved the like community rewatch parts with like the little chapter, little yeah. paragraphs at the end with other podcasts. I was like, oh my gosh, this podcast, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so with Manners and Madness, how do people uh, follow you? Like you're on social media and how do they get your podcast? Um, well, we have a Twitter at Manners Madness. That's probably where you'll see most of our activity. Maya will sometimes do some tarot readings related. She has like Twin Peaks and Jane Austen like decks and everything that she'll do. Um, we also have an Instagram at Manners of Madness Pod that we post sometimes to. Sometimes interact with people through DMs and stuff. And, and then we have a Gmail, Manners of Madness at gmail.com. And then we have our website and we've got, have the ability to leave a voicemail, like cool. a little like, minute long voice message. And so that's been really yeah. That's really great. Cool. That's mannersandmadness.com. And if you go there, then you can also find all of our platforms that we're distributed on. It's found on iTunes. So I just subscribe to you guys. (laughs) There you go. say we do a thing at the end of our podcast where we ask for a recommendation of something you enjoyed recently that's outside of the Twin Peaks or Jane Austen universe. <laughs> oh, I, I like I like stuff like that. I like <laughs> Brian does that all the time on our show. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. Um, like it, it never gets recorded, but I always like to ask what people are doing. Ben, you want to go first on that? What? I, I just finished The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is on Netflix, which is, um, it's an anthology, you know, I think it was the, the haunting anthology, they did one two couple of years ago and stuff like that. I, I enjoyed it a lot and stuff. I mean, it's, so is it's it a, it's scary. What's that? Is it very scary? I, I, I don't think it's overly scary. I think it's a nice balance. I mean, that there's some like, you know, you might get shocked here and there and it's more creepy, but it's not, it's not gory and it's, I don't think it's overly scary it's a, it's a nice balance of a, it's more of a, a just great acting and i think it's a well-made story and it's got a twin peaks vibe in the sense of how they're able to structure story sometimes whether it be dreams or whatever you want to call this i think they did a nice job sometimes how they told the story it's really well made i mean the the, the previous season they're they're individual stories so there's a different house different characters than this one so the haunting of blind manor is i think I want to say it's nine episodes and stuff, but it's it's really well made. It's a great story. If you're a twin, if you like Twin Peaks, I feel like this is something that'd be in your your wheelhouse of things that you like. Yeah, I watched Hill House, but I thought it was too scary to watch alone. So okay. I wasn't sure oh, if so I could watch Blind Man or not. <laughs> oh, so then you know of it. I mean, it's similar. I don't. I don't. Some people probably won't even say it's as scary as that. I don't know. It's it's creepy factors, but you you got the vibe of it and. Some of those same actors that were in that other sh- season there is, are back for this one. So it's great to see them as other characters. And I, I, I just liked it a lot. Yeah, awesome. 
I would say two things. I, I watched the new Borat film and it was hilarious. <laughs> I loved it for many, many reasons. Since I'm working from home at, at lunchtime, I've been catching up on my half hour shows that I've have like haven't watched when I was going into work. So now I'm like, oh, I can watch a half hour show. I have lunch and I've watched, I've caught up on a lot of them. But one show I went back to from my childhood um, that's on Crackle. Nobody talks about it really, but is Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And I was obsessed with that show as a kid. And I watched all season one. I'm in season two right now. And it was before Ferris Bueller. They did it first, not Ferris Bueller. And there was really? a Ferris Bueller, there was a Ferris Bueller TV show, show that really? was in competition, but they got canceled. So I've been so into Parker Lewis. I was like on podcast trying to find if um, people had a part. They nobody has a Parker Lewis can't lose podcast. But uh, Corman, uh, are you announcing right here, Brian, that you're starting your own? No, I don't want to start one. I have enough, but I wanted to hear others talk about it. But uh, uh, Cormac, uh, the lead actor there, he was on a few shows, and I listened to him. And he, he did talk about the history of the show and what he does now. And so season three, there were three seasons of Parker Lewis Can't Lose. I will not watch season three. It's not on Crackle. That's one reason. It's not on DVD. That's Ryan's reason. trying to do his own podcast right here. He's starting. No, no. So, so a quick, interesting history. A miniseries Park- podcast. I know, miniseries. <laughs> but part, it's such a great show because it's so different and crazy. And I, that's what I loved about it. It was like Twin Peaks in a way because it was different. It was against the norm. It was, you know, counterculture against what was happened, you know, what was out. So uh, the Murdochs bought Fox and the new suits came in. Now, this is how he tells the story. The new people come into town to Fox and they say, we want your show to be more like 90210. Hmm. So season three, they scrapped all the craziness. They scrapped the hair, the swatches. They got rid of uh, Lemmer, who was uh, Musso's right-hand man. Who was uh, they? They fired him, and they they made it more dramatic. And he uh, he talked about how it was the worst season. He goes, he hated working it. He said mm. it was horrible. And they got canceled after this. They did a whole season three. He said it was awful. But you can't you can't watch it. It's not on DVD. It's not streaming. But if you can just watch the first two seasons on Crackle, it's free. Oh my God! It brings me back to the '90s, uh, late. Well, I totally 80s. remember that show being on. <laughs> no, it was such a it was so crazy, and yeah, it, they did it before Ferris Bueller, uh, which I didn't is realize that. I didn't know. I thought it was a real. I don't know. Concert, well, that's not so. true, though. No, it is. It's it, true it, for the TV show, but it's not true for the movie. This came. Ferris Bueller came out, I believe, in the '80s. Yeah, but the show wasn't based on Ferris Bueller. There was a show in the UK that this show was based off of, but they never based. They said. Maybe the TV show, but they said it was never based off Ferris Bueller. They made okay. quips about Ferris Bueller in the show. They made digs about it. They make digs about other shows that were on, like Erie, Indiana, ah. Ferris Bueller. They would be like, thank you for not watching Erie, Indiana. Like some guy's holding a sign in the background that says that. I mean, there were so many weird things in the show. Oh, and I loved it. I love it. I highly recommend it. It's just my favorite thing right now. No. What, you, what about you, Maya? What are you, what are you into watching right now? Mm, well, I was actually going to recommend a video game because I, um, I can get like into video anything. games. Yeah. Uh, there's one that I've been playing before I go to sleep at night because it's one of my favorites, and it's called Botanicula. 
B-O-T-A-N-I-C-U-L-A, I think. And you're just like um, these little acorns and little tree, um, like pollens and stuff. You're like four of them. And you're trying to save the tree from these big black tree sucking monsters. <laughs> huh. But it's very sweet. And it's kind of, um, it's not like super saccharine, but it's just a really fun game. The, the studio that makes it, Animita Studios, has just every game they've ever made. I've loved so. Wow. Um, but Botanicula is a really cute one. It's fun. What platform definitely. is it on? Like, yeah. is it PC or is it? You can play it on iOS and Switch that I know of. I'm Well, actually, I don't know if that one's on Switch. I know it's on iOS. It's probably okay. on Android as well, I would think. Any of those wow. kind of mobile platforms. Yeah. Neat. <laughs> Christian, I know you had one, a recommendation. Yes, I am going to change it because I just remembered something that I'm watching. Um, <laughs> I've been watching uh, We Are Who We Are on HBO. It's a new Luca Guadagnino show. He directed Calling By Your Name, the new Suspiria remake. And I just really love it. I love shows that are really beautiful and they're kind of, there's nothing fantastical about it. It's just kind of like everyday people, but it's just, um, he's Italian and all his movies are shot in Italy. They're always mm. like the most like beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And, <laughs> and it's just about these two kids who live on an Italian American military base. And it takes place like right around 2016 during the election. There are like Trump ads playing in the background and all this <laughs> stuff. Wow. Uh, but it's just about them growing up. Like one of them is from New York City and one of them grew up on the Italian base. And it's just like them growing up together and kind of discovering themselves. And it's just really, it's just really good. And the actors are all really great. It's got, um, oh, I don't remember his name, but he was in the It movie. He played one of the kids. Yep, yep. Oh, the Wolf Bernhard no, or something? Jack Dylan Grazer. You'd Who? recognize him. Jack Dylan Grazer. You'd recognize him. Oh, okay. He was the one that, like, um, he, he had to take medication because his mom was... Yeah, his mom. mom was, like, a little, like, <laughs> overbearing. And yes. Yeah, like a cast on or something. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. But he's just really good in it, and I just really love it. <laughs> I have I'll definitely have to the, check that out. Yeah, I've seen the trailer on HBO for it, and it does look good. And he looks so different. I'm like, that's yeah. a kid from it. Like, yeah. he grew really tall and he's like 12 years older. <laughs> it's really <laughs> insane. Yeah, but he's just so good. He's like this like little weird New York City artsy like antisocial kid, and it's just like so. He's just you can tell how talented he is. It's so good. Definitely have to check it out. Cool. <laughs> All right, thank you for everybody for our crossover episode. If you have a comment, question, or theory, give us an email at twinpeaksunwrappedgmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Give us that five-star review on iTunes. We're all the podcast places at this point. Uh, you can get our book at Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are very low, $19.99. And we'll be back before the end of the year for our uh, Twin Peaks in 2020. <laughs> yes, and thank for you. our part, I'll just say thank you so much. Buy their book because it's great and you don't want to miss out. We'll see you guys next week. We don't know what we're doing, but you're going to like it, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, good night. Cool. What do you say we get out of here? I'm in. <laughs>